Hi, I'm Carissa Schlott. And I am Sharice Schlott. Welcome to Between Between Us, a podcast that highlights our relationship as sisters, providing a safe space to share our stories. These conversations highlight unity and connection, the through lines that connect all of us as human beings. Before we dive in, we would like to highlight that the views expressed in each episode are a product of our own research and experiences. Our opinions are not representative of any professional affiliations we may have. Episode 4. The question is, what do you want? In this episode, we welcome Maureen Hashi, a natural-born, psychic, medium, intuitive healer, and true crime consultant. Maureen has been in this profession for over 30 years. She is a mother, a grandmother, a daughter... And she is a warrior. And as you may hear, Maureen's psychic abilities at times interfere during times of intense energy in the podcast. I would invite you to listen for extra voices or sounds for guests that joined our podcasts from the spirit realm. Okay. Well, welcome to episode four. Four. Quattro. Yes. And today we have Maureen Hashi, and I will allow Maureen to introduce herself. Hello. My name is Maureen Hashi. I'm a psychic medium, intuitive healer, true crime consultant, and a natural-born intuitive. Woot woot. And a force. Yes. <laughs> to be reckoned with or not. Chewing bubble gum and kicking ass. <laughs> we love it. So I'd just like to start off with how I met Maureen. And I was working in Edmonton at a tea shop on White Avenue, and she was friends with the owner. And I think it was probably one of the first times I I saw you. Uh, You said to me, you've been through some hard things. And I I think I remember looking at you and saying, like, how the hell does she know that? And that started our, our friendship. And then shortly thereafter, I met her son, and we ended up dating for quite a few years. But my joke is, the guys I date... The only intention is to befriend their moms. <laughs> so accurate. I remember when I walked in to meet up with uh, my friend at the time was to, I came in the tea shop and you were dusting off the cans of tea mm. and emanating from you was this deep, profound sadness, sorrow. Mm. And it was like, oh, like it just cut right to my heart. And I was like, do I say something? Do I not say something? Because you never know how it's going to be received just approaching someone randomly. Thankfully, you were open to it because I argued with my guides before. I was like, I'm not saying nothing. And they're like pushing me to go and say something. And thankfully I did because uh, I was so happy to have you in my life as a friend. We have a little glitch. We're frozen for a second. Well, and I'm curious, Sharice, when she said that to you, what was your first reaction? Like, what, what, how did you feel? There was simultaneously, I felt almost relief in being so seen and, and understood without me having to say anything, but then probably a little bit of fear because for someone to know that without knowing you uh, is a little sometimes intimidating. But at the same time, I think I was in awe because I I had never encountered an intuitive person before. And you made me a believer. 
It was really interesting because energetically, I felt the wall just slam up like, what? You know, Mm, how do you know me? Exactly. This protection. But because you're so open spiritually, uh, it dissolved quickly when you realized that I really had good intentions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There to intrude on your space. Yeah, absolutely. And that was just after a period, a long period of being an institution for me, too. So it was on point. That was I was kind of my transition back into life. Yeah. And I think that our guides and angels will put transition people uh, to assist us in such ways to enrich our lives and continue on the journey that we are on so that we have the support to keep going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So maybe we'll dive into your story a little bit, how you became the woman you are today. Well, it's very interesting and uh, twisted, sorted story. I grew up in a very strict religious household that did have a lot of abuse surrounding religion. And on one hand, I had my father. And then on the other hand, my mother was a psychic intuitive who also did tea leaves and other such things. So it was a very interesting dynamics that I was able to navigate through to learn how to keep everything in the light, discernment of what's good, what's bad, and leave the rest behind. And as such, it's so interesting how spirit will guide you because I never wanted to be a medium. This is the last thing I wanted to sign up for, but my guides and angels had other assignments for me. So I started my career in a nursing home. I went to college and uh, for a couple of years and was doing palliative care nursing and everyone was dying on my shift. Like, I mean, everyone. And so my first initiation was, is I had to prepare bodies for the morgue. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, you got to clean them up. You got to, you know, position the body. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, so from there, I went on to really embracing my gifts. I'll skip the, the messy side. There's a lot of work that went into getting from that point, you know, a couple broken marriages, divorce, beautiful kids, my brother's murder trial, and then thrown into trauma scene cleanup. So there is a lot of stuff I had to work through. But, you know, there was something, there was a driving force in me that needed to understand who I was, where I was going. There was such a greater pull from the divine to assist other people. And it was very interesting because in the midst of it, I was, I was pretty broken from my experiences through this lifetime. And my guides really were there all the time. And while sometimes I would seek outside sources for healing, like counseling and, you know, conquering codependency and all these other things, and then battling my own eating disorder of anorexia, which was really bad at one point, I think I got down to like 88 pounds. And then now, thankfully, in my 50s, while the mind chatter is still there of, you know, not being good enough, you know, your weight, you're too heavy, you're too heavy, but also caring and nurturing 
this 50 year old body and what it needs to survive. So I've had a really cool flow of synchronistic events leading me into true crime. Mm. Wow. And can you remember, Maureen, the very first time that you felt an intuitive pull or you felt like a, a spirit or guide was present? Oh, I literally was very young. I remember my dad, my dad is native. So he took us out to the reserve this one time and I couldn't have been any more than four or five. And the girl I was playing with hurt her knee. Now we had specific instructions not to be playing in this old car, but we were. And I remember putting my hands over her and seeing the scrape disappear. Like the bruise went away and that scared both of us. But then she never talked to me again after that. That was my real inclination that I might be different, you know? And since then, of course, I've developed my healing skills and really embraced, but my guides have guided me throughout my life, including a near death experience in a motor vehicle accident. I'd like to double click on that, on the word guides. Like, how do you, how do you know that they're there? How do people recognize when they are being guided? It's that intuitive gut instinct. So there's a difference between what your head is saying, what your ego is saying, and what your guides are, are pushing you to acknowledge, whether it's God, the Holy Spirit, your angels, whomever you want to acknowledge. We all have them because it's this kind of internal monologue that is outside of yourself that for example, we'll say, don't go to this party. You're going to have bad time. Sounds like your voice. And you're like, oh, that's just, you know, so you reason your way through it, convince yourself to go to the party and you have the worst time ever. And you say to yourself, I shouldn't have come. I knew I shouldn't have come. That is your higher self guiding you to say, don't go. And are you at the place in your life now where you listen to that, that intuition and that guide? You know, when I first started in my late 20s and 30s listening to that it didn't make a lick of sense and I didn't trust it as much as I have for the past 20 years and the more you listen the easier it becomes it's just second nature mind you people around you will look at you like you are insane what are you doing but I literally live on faith yeah and that brings me back to when I was really close to you. And I know, I think at that time you were kind of battling with stepping into this true self. And then it seemed like every time you were not listening to that, life would get really difficult for you, right? It would just be one thing after another. I'm like you. I get the two by four because I have a lot of resistance because I have these human needs and then my spiritual self is like, oh, you got this girl, keep going. And like I said, I didn't want to do this. I wanted to just do all the human earthbound jobs and, and not do this for a living. Because at the time, I was doing readings uh, on the side as a side gig because I was appeasing my guides. Okay, I'll give you this bone but I'm still going to do this over here because I don't trust you. You know, it was so interesting. My last really big earthbound job 
was for a natural health place. I won't uh, say the name specifically. And it was very interesting because they incorporated this empathic workplace that you think would be super supportive while you're doing earthbound things. And I could feel it coming because my guides will push me out of an earthbound job. They'll let me play there for like a couple months. And then they're like, okay, you're done. You got to go. You know, sometimes they let me stay a year. Anyway, this particular time I've been there maybe three, four months, if that. And uh, I could feel it coming. And I was like, you, (laughs) I don't want, I've got this new apartment. I love where I'm living. I can't afford it on my own. So they sit me down and they say, they think I'm reading them all the time. Like, are you serious? First of all, I don't want to read people. Sometimes when it comes, there's a lot of times that I push away, say, no, stop, cancel, clear, delete. Uh, If I'm meant to give them a message, open the door to clear communication. Because I also don't like, you know, knowing people's stuff or reading people's diaries. So this is what it felt like. And then they were like basically punishing me because I made them uncomfortable because of the energy, literally the energy that was with me. I was too intense for them. So I was like, wow, well, where the fuck do I fit in in the world? Because I can't work. You know, every job ends this way. And so I was pissed off. I grabbed a bottle of wine. I went home and I took a a pack of sticky notes with me. And I was like, this is my parting gift. So I went home and I wrote on the sticky notes all my bills. And I literally was like pounding them on the wall. I was like, this is my rent. It's due in two weeks. This is, you know, all my bills. This is my car payment. There. If you guys want me to work for you, then get me some bookings. And this is the part that blows me away. In 24 hours, I had 10 bookings and it covered my expenses. And, you know, when I think of it, I become overjoyed and I get goosebumps because that was so profound. That literally was life-changing. And anytime that I sit there and struggle in my human self, I'm drawn back to that moment. And they tell me, remember, just ask us. But it's so hard to surrender and to fully trust that what you're being called to do is going to work out okay. Because there are, to your point, there are practical human things that we're responsible for. And so that's so powerful that you, that you surrendered and that you put it out there literally on the wall. <laughs> Here it is, a map of what I need. You want me to do this work? Show me the way. And then it happened. I wish I was taking a picture to commemorate it than the emails that trickled in over the 24 hours. And it brought me to tears. It still brings me to tears that I was like adamantly not wanting to do this, you know? And they're like, oh, we got you. You're just being silly human. And there's been some like profoundly hard times in between there. And it basically is the resistance I created by ignoring my gifts and just wanting to be a normal, average, everyday person. Uh, work that nine to five and do my thing and not have these, not acknowledge my gifts. So it's been a quite the adventure. Yeah, seems like it's been a, a full ride. And that was one of the reasons I was really excited 
to have you on is because you have such a, you have a profound story. And I think it really exemplifies the light and shadow aspects of life and existence. And it really highlights just the beauty and grace that can come out of profound struggle. You know, it's really interesting to me when you look at the spiritual community and people in my position that do professional readings, that have a name for themselves, that do these things, while they're wonderful, a lot of them are really wonderful, don't get me wrong, but let's be real. There's human struggles to get where you are. There's things you have to overcome. And so if we keep it real and share with people more the truth of all the work that goes into it, then people would embrace themselves more on all capacities and, you know, inspire some people along the way. Absolutely. And I'd love to talk about that because I think I also worked in that field and in that community. And I noticed a lot of people going to intuitives, but going for the reason that they want an answer. They wanted a quick fix. They wanted an out and they wanted someone to tell them how to get to that in magic ingredient. And I think that's what I appreciated so much about you is that it was very much, you would kind of look past in the past and then say, how do you do the work to get to what you want to be in the future? Absolutely. You know, holding people accountable for their, their own responsible actions that they are required to take in this life. I don't tell any thing to anyone that they don't already know that they haven't intuitively felt it on some level. It's so powerful to say, well, all the answers literally are within each and every human. Yes. The problem is we ignore it and we resist it and we don't want to. And we do need that outside source to say, get your shit together, go get it. You can do this. The problem is that I run into is I don't do entertainment readings. I do healing messages. You want to change your life. You want to overcome these obstacles and release bad habits that you've created for your life. The ultimate question that everyone on this planet needs to ask themselves is what do I want? What do you want? You know, what are you going to do to get from point A to point B? What are you willing to put into it? You can manifest or play in manifestation all you want, but if you don't do action, you get zero results. Amen, sister. And that is why your work is so important because you hold the space for people to get still enough to ask the question, what do I want? And the answer to your point, and this is something that has come to me in moments of stillness for myself, is you already know. You just have to get quiet enough to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that is such a hard question to ask because we're taught that it's not okay to ask for something for yourself. You don't deserve it. You're unworthy. Uh, your self-esteem, all these things that we're taught as kids. And even in the womb, we carry on through adult life, but it's okay to be selfish. If you take care of your own foundation and your own house first, how much better can you be in a position to help other people? So be selfish. What do you want? Be specific. Dig in. You know, not just, I want to publish a book. Okay, what kind of book? 
What does it look like? What are the details of your book? What makes you the authority on the book? You know, really manifest it in such a way that you've already made the outline. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was asking myself, somebody said this to me and it pissed me off. What do I want? That's what I want. (laughs) It was hard. And then I had to really look at myself. Well, I'd never been asked, Maureen, what do you want before? And giving myself that permission to want something. It's okay to have, have the things I want. I want to help more people. Okay. How do you want to do that? Well, I don't know, readings, healing sessions, on what capacity? How many people do you want to see in a year, in a day, in a month? And answering those questions kind of gave me a business plan to actually make a business out of... Out of your gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting. And then I had started a side business years ago, back in in the early nineties and I called it Moses and Merlin's guided from within elixirs and fixers. And it was these like essential oils and whatever. And I didn't do anything with it. I just was like, okay, this is my business plan. It's registered. And then I did nothing with it. <laughs> and later uh, when I came back from filming in LA, I was there for 72 hours And then again, I found myself asking that tough question. What do you want? I went to bed and I just said to my guide, show me what I'm supposed to do. Please help me because I don't know what to do now. It was a white screen, like so vibrant. And there was this essential, like the golden amber essential oil bottle dripping oil. Mm. And then I woke up this profound smell of lavender in my room. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to develop Moses and Merlin's. From there, I've changed the name to Sacred Sense by Marine. It's just been amazing. So it ebbs and flows, you know, making natural products is supportive to, you know, everything that I'm doing. And because ultimately I want to open up a healing lodge with natural products and elixirs and fixers and treats. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing that dream. That's and that vision, and it will happen. Absolutely. I keep drawing it out. Like they'll say, Oh, you need this plant. Because I say there's going to be a witch's cottage, and in the witch's cottage is literally, you know, a juice bar, you know, crystals, books, energy rooms, and a yoga studio. So they've told me what plants is going around, and it's just crazy. That's really cool. As you were saying that and using the word flow, again, back to that the concept of light and shadow, kind of feminine and masculine. This is something that I'm struggling to integrate in my own life is that is the the more soulful part and the trusting and the surrendering and then the the practical implementing. I know Danielle Laporte talks about basically that masculine feminine principle about how feminine is the flow and that creative life force and how the masculine side is the container, that vision, the finish line and the structure and then how to integrate those to bring it to reality. I think releasing our resistance of external limitations. It's really powerful to let it go and trust. And the more you start trusting, the easier the process and all the doors will start opening because there's no more resistance of it 
what if it doesn't happen? Because that's the human in us, right? Yeah. It also does keep the balance. It, you know, I don't like to say, oh, I'm grounded. Because truth is, I'm probably not really grounded in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I have balance between the two. And that's so important to keep the balance of keep your feet on the earth while you're allowing yourself to flow with the energies that are available to each and every one of us. Yeah, I, I so resonate with, and, and maybe you found this too, Maureen, when you decided to step outside of normal, typical, whatever, the human path that you call for me, when I did that too, when I stepped outside of the traditional realm, that's when I, my mind opened up to possibilities that I didn't even know could exist. Absolutely. Taking that leap of faith, having the courage, believing in ourselves, because unfortunately we live in a world where it's cutthroat. Women don't build up women. They're catty. They cut you down. They're competitive, especially in spiritual realms. Uh, there's a lot of competitiveness, unfortunately. Even in business world, men, unfortunately, don't always build up women. They don't. They see a powerhouse and they try to take her down. Not picking on all men because there's a lot of supportive men on the planet as well. But unfortunately, they're so few and far between. They're kind of scattered. And I think as humans, if we came together to build each other up, to go, you got this, you know, just be cheerleaders for one another to accomplish these great things, the world would be so much better. To move from like the scarcity competitive mindset to the abundance that there's room for everyone. And Krista, you've said this before in past podcasts, there's room for everyone and, and there's a space for every person to have their unique gift. Absolutely. There is, there is room at the table for everyone. And if you look up proverbially <laughs> and you don't see somebody who looks like you or sounds like you or thinks like you, then that is exactly where you were meant to be. And to try to find those people that you connect with that support you and that are cheerleaders for you and to, and to kind of follow their lead or to help them create space for you. Absolutely. And that brings me back to transition people. You know, throughout our life, we create these scenarios for ourselves. The more you stay in the flow, release the negative mind chatter and negative self-talk to being in the moment of taking action every time the inspiration comes to you, then we'll create these supportive people coming alongside us to help guide us. There's never one person that's above anyone. There's always someone there to support and guide each and every one of us. Oh, I love that. Do you think every human has the ability to tap into intuition? 100% and they do and they don't even know it. They do speak energy. Oh, I don't like that person. She drains my energy right? Mm -hmm. Or when I'm around them, I feel angry. So they're not even acknowledging the gifts they have of empathy. And then learning about empathy, what's mine and what's yours. And when it's not yours and you can't help because we can't help everyone, send it away with light and love. There's going to be a time where, yes, you can assist someone, but it's not always your place or your journey. The same thing is it's not always my place to cross people over. That's so done. I feel like sometimes when a spirit comes to me, I'll say, hey, how are you doing? You know, other times I'm like, get out, 
make an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. As you were saying that, it reminded me of, I was listening to your podcast, Chronicles of a Medium, which I love. And I felt like I was almost in a meditative state while I was listening to it. Um, but you talk about the experience of your brother and his incarceration. Can you walk us through um, what your experience was like with that? Absolutely. It was such a learning, healing, broken time for me because when it all first came out, it really rattled me in the sense that if someone I loved and trusted who I was so close to could do these horrendous things, then it's possible for anybody to do it. And I really went down this black hole of fear and isolation and not knowing how to navigate being a family member of a perpetrator because you do carry guilt. There's guilt and association for loving this person because society says you can't love them anymore. You have to hate them instead of hating the crime that they did and having important boundaries for that relationship moving forward because they are broken. There was this... um, documentary that came out on my brother and it was all over the news and it was well talked about his crimes then this thing came out and the very thing that I had told the police officer I said to him maybe this is my fault because we had a big fight and in the documentary they say due to an altercation with a close family member it sent him over the edge and that to me I was like I felt so betrayed, but it also shed a lot of light on the situation where they do sensationalize crimes on a huge level and they didn't consult me for the truth. Truth of what I went through, what actually happened and the reasons that brought us to that point where we were so badly abused as children from my father, both physical, mental and emotional and sexual abuse was in there, that not everyone made it out okay. Victims make victims and hurt people hurt people. And I do believe that my brother was a victim. The system let him down. They let all of us down because if I heard someone beating their child, I have actually marched over. I have called the police. And most people would say, well, it's not my place. It's it's totally your place. If you see and you can and have the ability to make it right, you need to do that. Yes. And I think this is so important on the topic of empathy and building empathy is understanding that there's not this this polarizing good and bad, good versus evil, that every human has both has both parts, right? Like your brother had beautiful qualities and you have memories of him as a child. Uh-oh. We're back. That's okay. Uh, it's because I'm getting into the, the deep energy. And when I'm really intense. And as I amp up, the energy amps up and takes you guys' electronics out. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I find it so cool. It's so interesting. Try filming with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what, 
I think, and I've written on this in some of my my own writing, we're so quick in our society and culture to persecute, prosecute, to make someone out to be the bad person. And this is why I love the concept of like Oprah's new book with Dr. Bruce Perry is there, they say, nobody stops to ask what happened to you. How'd you get here? Exactly. Instead of we just look at the behavior and judge the behavior. And say, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Instead of what happened to you. And you look at the parents and go, you guys are all shit because this is what you made. And essentially, yeah, in part, for sure. But as an adult, you have a choice to rise up from the brokenness to know, again, asking yourself, what do I want? Do you want to stay in the chaos that you grew up in? Or do you want to change your life radically and break out of that cycle. We have a choice. He didn't have enough tools to make the proper choice. I know what people say. Oh, yes, he did. He was, he's a grown-ass man. He made a choice. He absolutely did. But in his brokenness, in, in the cycle of addictions, because one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing, you can only kick a dog so much before he bites you. And I do believe that he's where he needs to be. He needs to be in prison. He's, he's paying his time. And unfortunately, people hurt. There's the victims. My mom, you know, she had a meltdown. I have to tell you this part is leading up to my mom had struggled with addictions on and off through her life as a result of some abuse she'd suffered from my dad when she was younger. So she started using narcotics as a means to escape her gifts and a source of comfort. So she was lost in this abyss. And when things got weird and her gifts got stronger, she would numb it. So she kept saying, there's something wrong with your brother. There's something wrong with your brother. And I was like, mom, you got to stop because he would disappear for long periods of time. And we never knew what was happening, except that he was probably using somewhere and doing his thing, whatever that may be. And it turned out drugs, alcohol, prostitution, and doing his way through the world, a broken mess. And she was so bang on. She was very in tune with it. And then I got a call and my cousin said, Maureen, turn on the news And there is a a helicopter with my brother's face as they're arresting him. And I immediately shut it off because I was like, she can't see this. She's a mess right now. And so she knew. She absolutely knew that something was happening. There's not enough support for family members of perpetrators as well, because there's more than just the one victim who honestly needs they need healing for sure. I'm not taking away from that at all because I really struggled with that. I wanted to to go and hug the mom after hearing her sobbing and weeping in the courtroom because I'm a sensitive person. I'm very empathic and I could feel her pain. And as a mother, that was heart-wrenching to me. I could only imagine what she was going through and I wanted to fix it. I wanted to make it better, but you can't, you know, because they hate you too. For a while I had a security guard with me, an undercover cop for protection because they were afraid of retaliation from the family. 
And because I had gone to all the trials, you know, I put myself in a vulnerable position of being there because I needed to hear it. I needed to understand the depth of what happened. Is this the truth? You know, I needed to accept it. And unless you go through it, there's, there's just so many dynamics. And then afterwards, I have all this mess in my hands, only to find out that there's going to be another murder trial for previous crimes come out. It took everything I knew about my life, and it was something else, because I had created this little bubble, and over here, this brokenness led to so much more. Just be kind to one another. And from that experience, can you share how that led into your using your intuition in crime? Absolutely. You know, it was so funny because I think this is why I'm so passionate to help the victims of violent crimes the best way I know how as a medium. And it really fell in my lap. And I think everything I've gone through from preparing bodies to the morgue to doing trauma scene cleanup, which, by the way, when I applied for that earthbound job, it literally was to be the business manager, except for I never, ever even made it to the office. I was out in the field cleaning up deceased. And from there, I actually was listed with the Best Psychic Mediums uh, website, who was through John Holland. And I was vetted because I got to do a blindfold reading in front of John Holland And it was really cool to do this in front of all my peers. It was the last day, the last session. And I was so nervous because I needed to prepare. This was the other thing. I'll touch on this in a second. I didn't have any tools with me. I didn't have crystals. There was no candles. I, I didn't get to spend time meditating. It was just, boom, get up here and read. And I was like, what is happening? I'm not ready. And, uh, but spirit said I was so Uh Instantly, when I got up there, I felt a spirit put his hand on my shoulder. His name was Gabriel. And he told me how he died and all these things. And I guess I was saying it out loud, but I didn't know. It was for the medium beside me who had prayed for her fiance to come through. And it wasn't until the last minute, the last session, he chose me to tell her the story. And so they asked me to be on the best psychic medium directory as a vetted... Like a vetted intuitive, yeah. A trusted source. Exactly. That I was vetted and and true. I see shit. (laughs) (laughs) From there, this is where it gets funny. I got an audition call for casting and I get weird invites here and there for radio or TV and whatever some legit, some not. So when I got this invite, I was like, "Mm, I don't, I don't believe this is true. So I looked up the casting company and they were big in LA. And I was like, how is this possible that they're contacting me? So I reached out and I said, sure. And then a couple days before that, I'd had a vision of Marilyn Monroe. And I never, ever had a vision before about a star. That's not true. Elvis came through once, but anyway, (laughs) the process came along and they said, have you ever had a star come through? And I was like, well, actually I did, you know, so I was able to tell them the things that she showed me 
incidentally were the very thing that inspired the show in the first place. Whoa. Wow. It was kind of crazy. And so then everything kind of happened really fast, but slow too. Like I did my first audition probably in like November and then come April, I was April, I think. I flew out to LA. It was just so crazy to investigate, you know, a murder, a cold case murder. And when I was going, I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. You know, I can't believe I'm going to LA. And as I'm sitting on the plane, a victim started coming through. And that's when I started journaling everything. And from there, how the victims communicate with me is very powerful. I do have a lot of visions in dream time where they give me specific ideas. And a lot of times I become the victim. So I step inside their bodies and experience their passing on every level. And at first I was like, whoa, that was really deep. But I realized I've been in training my whole life for this moment. Yes. Hmm. And I'm curious because that that does feel heavy to feel on every level the weight of of somebody crossing over or, or their experience. So how do you deal with that? How do you move through that? And keep yourself well. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going back to my childhood because I've been in training for this my whole life. Nobody changes a nanosecond before they're ready. And so because I was ready to be able to navigate this on a huge level, I wouldn't have been able to do it 20 years ago because I wasn't emotionally ready. I didn't do the work that I needed to. And so meditation, my childhood of the intense Bible stuff has given me discernment on what's good, what's bad, and how to get rid of it. And then my mom's gifts really helped me embrace that I was seeing things correctly. Incidentally, you know, bring me back to my mom, who's since passed. But during her passing, uh, there was one point that I went to reach out and comfort her. And she was like, she her eyes got super big. And this was like days before. So she declined a lot. And she screamed at me and she's like, get over there. Don't touch me. I see death when you touch me. (laughs) (laughs) My heart. I was devastated, but I was also excited because she saw my gifts from the other side. And I was like, wow, how profound was that, that she could see me. Mm. And also what a gift to be able. And I, I realized in that moment that that's why everyone died on my shift way back when is because I facilitated them letting go of their human experience. And even now when victims come through, I will do an energy session for them so they can release the traumatic event of this lifetime and how they left. (laughs) Frozen. You're welcome. There we go. Coming back slowly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, I think that was so beautiful when you said your mother finally saw you. And, And I know what you're saying. You're saying like the true self, the true you, the spirit you. 
And I'm curious, was that the first time that you felt seen in that way by her? What? Well, my mom was super supportive, mainly because it's her fault. <laughs> it was like so funny because she was trying to sell the deodorant that I was making to the nurses that were caring for her while she's passing. And like, right, get your brochure, get your brochure. And I was like, mom, this is not the time. You know, she did believe in me, but it was literally the first time that she was able to see the spirit of who I am. Yes, without the masks, without the humanness, she saw your soul, your spirit. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. When my dad does go on the other side, he's going to be able to see the true essence of who I am. And he'll have missed out on this human. Hmm. Yes, he will. Yeah. I think that's a really big loss on his part. Me too. We could have had some fun together, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's taken me a long time to work through those dynamics. I, I have made my peace with him not being the father I need. He's just a man doing the best he can where he's at with the information he has all his dysfunction, he hasn't worked through his own pain. So it makes it easier to go, okay, I understand. And that's so powerful, Maureen, because I think so many people in your position would have just allowed themselves to be victims and to have labeled them the abuser and to have, to, to hold that anger through, the, through an entire lifetime. And that really just holds holds the victim, so to speak, back from their own healing. So I think that's so powerful that you can see him in that light. Thank you. You know, it's really interesting because anger was my biggest thing to work through because I was mad. I was mad at the world. I was mad at both my parents. I was just mad. And I did not handle it delicately. Like I would kick ass. I would challenge anyone. Oh, you want to go? Let's go. (laughs) And the funny thing is I'm five feet of nothing. Like I'm not intimidating. And, uh, but I was fierce in the wrong way. And once I started healing that inner child that was mad, that I was so hurt, you know, some people, when they're, they're hurt, they cry or they giggle. I was ready to kick some ass, you know, like, (laughs) but now like, and there's been moments where it rears its ugly head And in the most peculiar ways, like a few years back, I think it was about six years ago, this persistent man kept leaving shit in my mailbox. And I said, listen, stop printing this stuff. I don't want it. Thank you. You know, I was really nice in in the first time. He's like, we'll put it in the recycling. That was like, what? No, just stop doing it. And he kept coming. So I chased him down the street. Back. <laughs> I was like, what the hell's wrong with you? Just go home, you freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that's, that's something that I so appreciated about your personality, though, is the, the fierceness and the feistiness. And like he said, when it's channeled in a beneficial way to you, it is such a force. And I think that we need that. I think especially as women, and if you have been a victim, that is so useful to be used in a supportive way. Yes. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I had a peeping Tom and uh, I saw him in my window. I grabbed a baseball bat. I had these big fluffy pink down slippers. I chased him down the street. I was going to kick some ass. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, he went into the bush and I was like, okay, fine. You win. So I went back home and I called the cops and the cops came. She's like, you probably shouldn't chase people with a baseball bat. (laughs) 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 I instinct in you that is like, I'm not a victim and I will fight you. But thank God he did. Like what would happen if he turned around and I'll look at myself again, freak, you know, settle down. And no matter how much you meditate and do the things that to find that peace and to have the balance, still that little bit of fury in there that comes out every once in a while to keep it real. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is so valuable to be accepting and to speak to your humanness. And I know this is something that is my biggest criticism of the metaphysical world is that there's a complete denial of anything that they would consider to be dark or negative. So they completely shut off from almost one side or one aspect or many aspects of themselves because they're only allowed to be peaceful and loving and light. And so it's almost like denying this whole other side of their humanity. And then it doesn't come across as them being authentic because it isn't. It's not authentic. And I think that for some reason... Maybe they haven't accepted that about themselves to keep it real. We have to keep it real. There's times where I'll make a post and I'll be on a rant and then I'll say, peace, love and light, bitches, because I'm mad, Mm -hmm. you know, I am a human and my human has things to say sometimes. And while I have the peace and love and light in me, I'm also having this human experience where there's some real injustice in the world. I took it really hard with, you know, when Black Lives Matters first started and that was devastating to me because as an empath, I could feel the life leaving his body and I wanted to throttle the cop. Now, Mm -hmm. I had a lot to say and then I said it and then I moved on. And I think as humans, we often get stuck in one way or the other. Oh, let's Mm -hmm. just pray peace, love and light. (laughs) No, it's not real. It doesn't work that way. Unless you live in some airy fairy place that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. What do you think all of these movements, all of this injustice, even the pandemic, what was that here to teach us? Oh, so much. That's a big one. I think what I noticed first is the rage, instant rage on the planet. It was at its all-time high, and it literally took me out. Then it was fear, profound fear moving across the planet. Instead of, in that moment, trusting that everything was going to work out, we're going to be okay, let's band together, People started rioting and, you know, man against man. This is literally in the Bible. And I'm not super bible or religious. Uh, I'm spiritual and I have a good sense of God. And I was like, whoa, you guys need to settle down. In fact, I had a vision the year before 
in June. And it was that God earth was ending and new earth was going to take place. And in my vision, I was walking through mass chaos and burning buildings and rage. There was so much anger and hatred running past me. And my guide said, keep going, keep focused. And that's literally how I got through the pandemic is I spent, I mean, all I had is time. I did a lot of meditating. It was hard for me to go people because I'd feel the fear and panic of everyone. And then I would have the physical symptoms and it was so much, it was so overpowering that I couldn't. That seemed timely. Yep. (laughs) I couldn't uh, ward it off. There was just too much. And then I started doing prayer and meditation for the planet, for humanity, because that's all I knew to do is this is the way I can help and send love and light to the world. So I think for a good six months, I posted affirmations every day of what do you want me to say to them today? Mm. And what is the lesson there? Like, what do you think all of this chaos is, is trying to show us or remind us? To come back to a place of love, because where love exists, nothing else can. It's the highest vibration. And there's a lot of people that talk love, but don't act love and don't, do it in their everyday lives with the people that are around them. And so we can either preach from ego and of the flesh, or we can actually allow spirit to work through us and do love, be love, support one another, be kind. And I think that's the biggest thing is to trust, to come together, to have faith and let go and let God, so to speak. I think that's the perfect place to end this. Can we do our fast five with Maureen? Okay. Fast five questions. Okay. Question number one, numero one. What is the best or worst advice that you've received in your lifetime? Oh, well, I think the best advice probably from my guides was that everything is going to be okay. And in the darkest points of my life, I've been able to look back and go, that worked out, that worked out, that worked out. So this has to work out. Mm -hmm. Again, coming back to the trust, the surrender and the faith. Yeah. And, you know, my life is kind of like a movie. Unless you've uh, lived it or been around me to watch me walk through those things, you're like, what? Bullshit. It's like so many things happened all at once. Okay, question number two. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? The funniest thing? Oh, I think there's a lot of joy in my granddaughter's profanity. (laughs) And how old is your granddaughter? She's three. And the things that come out of her mouth just seriously make me chuckle while of course her parents don't advocate for her swearing or profanity uh she does say it (laughs) (laughs) and she's like race him grandma drive faster and I was like what no and then he passes and she's like fucking guy (laughs) (laughs) that's That's adorable Okay, so do you have any insights or messages for Carissa and I? So Carissa, you carry everything with you. 
you take it all on and you don't release enough. There's so much anxiety sitting in your chest and you wait for it to build up. Then you have a meltdown and you move on, but you are continuing to pick everything up. Like you got to fix it all. It's not yours to fix. Keep shining so bright. Keep moving through the planet with this beautiful heart and soul for success of teaching people how to be successful. But it's not up to you to hold their hand. Give the information, let it go. That's beautiful. That's bang on. Yeah, I'm crying. Thank you. Yeah. And that's funny because one of the mm, messages that we've talked about that I did with Krista one time was to energetically when she's in a room that people want to shrink her in, I said to blast your light, her light from her core to all areas of the room and like blast it through everyone. 100%. The other really interesting thing that you can do is set your intentions before you go. So whoever is in the room, say a little love mantra for them. You are love. You have love. You're loving. You're lovable. Because where love exists, nothing else can. And then you're so used to allowing people to push you down. uh, You kind of got to find that inner warrior and get pissed and... (laughs) Yep, blast the shit out of them. Exactly. Like your peacock, you know, pull out your peacock and show them who actually is in charge. The other thing you can do is when you feel beat down by someone, unzip your aura and then move along. Hmm, That's cool. Unzip your aura. I love that. I love that. that. But I got it all. I'm going to unzip my my aura and step out and um, release my humanness and let my soul free. Yeah. Beautiful. And then grow a new one. Go home, meditate. The other really cool thing is if you can't meditate or do anything, go in the washroom and wash your hands under the running water and pull their energy off and say, I release you with love and light. Oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. I release you with love and light. Mm -hmm. Because it's really hard to be nice to people sometimes when they're such assholes. Because they're not living in the same space. They don't know better, but we do. And so if we remain that this isn't my truth, what you're saying and what you're doing has nothing to do with me. And so I'm going to stay over here and you do you. And then I'm going to go and bless you. (laughs) And where can people find you, Maureen? Um, You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter, all the things, and my website, marinehashi.com. Thank you for answering that. Uh, and it was bang on, of course. Not that I doubted that would happen. You are also hiding your light. You've had so much pain again that I feel like your self-worth again is being questioned. And you too withdraw a lot. And you self-sabotage and get in your way, you know, things get going really good. And then boom, mm-hmm. it's like you shift the bed and go, oh, this, uh, I'm not good enough anymore. And you let the mind chatter pull you back down. So there's so much you have to bring to the table. You know, keep letting your light shine. Reach out. This is where, where it's hard for you is to reach out to people and say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm having a bad day. Or if I pick up on you and I say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And I want to say bullshit. You're 
mind because I'm feeling this, you know, this withdraw from you. So really, I encourage you to keep reaching out, keep shining because you also have intense work that you do for people. And so shed, do your work, make sure you meditate and know that you bring so much more to the table than you understand. Mm, thank you. Yes. And I, I would agree that I, I do struggle the most with putting my light out there because I, I kind of like to lurk in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. And this, even in this podcast, I've talked about before that I'm happy doing it with Krista because she's okay standing up front and I'm okay to be like, yeah, I'm the sidekick over here. So <laughs> Yeah. Which is not true. Like I've said to you many times, like I wish you could see yourself through my eyes because your light shines so bright. Mm. Your energy is very powerful. You just have to believe in yourself, see yourself. Again, it goes back to self-worth and continue to heal that side of yourself that you are good enough. You do have authority and everyone on the planet makes mistakes constantly. We are constantly going against our better judgment and making poor calls. And when that happens, you have to be okay to say, oops, I did it again, but I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to brush myself off and I'm going to keep going because that's not my truth. This is my truth. You know, so let it go mm-hmm. and keep going. Yep. So come, I can come out of my hibernation now. Yeah. all right last question what is your hope or vision for the world oh my god that we'd all learn love and kindness and gentleness you know a lot of people say oh be kind but really i was at costco and this woman is like slamming shit around she's ignoring the woman that has parkinson's and couldn't lift everything out of her her bucket and she was just giving her a hard time and I was like you're such a dick why can't you just be nice like is it that important that you have to be mean I think if we took some time stop tailgating be aware of your surroundings you know what are the circumstances that's leading you to slow traffic did you leave on time Are you procrastinating? Like there's so many dynamics and then we get mad at other people because they're in our way or they're too slow or whatever. I think just be kind and gentle with each other because you don't know the person's story. Just be loved. And if you can't be loved, shut your mouth and stay home. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. He's loving life. Well, thank you, Maureen. Yes, thank you so much for doing this with us and for your time. We so appreciate you. I appreciate you ladies and keep shining and keep doing your thing. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Bodie. I hope you stay safe. Hi, my name is Gabe. I hope you have a great day. Audio production by Joel Vargasi at Lewis Studios.